episode 182 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to figure out exactly what the neighbor's dog is barking at. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about Star Wars. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like The Loop, Exit Lord of the Rings, and Exit the Professor's Last Riddle. Then, we celebrate May 4th with a discussion about Star Wars-themed board games. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. We actually have a few announcements at the top of this episode, so hopefully you'll bear with us for just a second. First off, we got nominated for a Golden Geek Award! Hooray! So there's only a couple of days left for voting by the time you hear this episode. So if you go over to Board Game Geek, you can vote for us or any other podcasts or any other games that came out in 2022 that got nominated and Mm -hmm. uh, vote for your favorites. You can vote for multiples, so you don't have to just pick one in each category. And yeah, we would really appreciate your vote if you enjoy the show. We've been nominated a few times in the past. Our seventh anniversary is coming up, so you know, that'd be a fun anniversary present for us (laughs) (laughs) so the link will be in the show notes but if you just go to the homepage of board game geek you'll see a link to the golden geek awards right there also here in just a couple of days if you're listening to this episode when it comes out on may 6th amanda panda good friend of the show and i are doing a charity stream we are going to be streaming from 2 p.m to 10 p.m all day long on saturday and we are going to be raising money for the national center for transgender equality we're calling the stream amanda and crystal turn tricks for trans rights and we're going to be playing trick taking games all day long and raising money for the National Center for Transgender Equality. So if you happen to be a Twitch user, please visit Amanda Panda's Twitch channel on Saturday from 2 to 10 p.m. Pacific time. And if you can't donate, that's totally fine. But you know, you can share the stream or just come hang out and support us. That would be wonderful. And then last but certainly not least, our anniversary is coming up, like, you know, here in just a few weeks. And so we're doing an anniversary stream on May 20th. It is going to be a seven-hour stream in honor of our seven-year anniversary. And there's going to be a whole lot of fun things happening during that stream. Ambie is recording, pre-recording some really fun videos, and I'm going to be streaming live for seven hours, doing a lot of different fun stuff. That's going to be May 20th. I haven't set the start time yet, but it'll probably be similar to the one this weekend, like starting early in the afternoon Pacific time. So yeah, lots of exciting things happening this month here in the world of Blitz. Yay! I got a review copy of The Loop a while ago, and recently I played it. I wanted to wait to play it twice, so I have played it twice now. (laughs) But The Loop is a cooperative board game published in 2020 by Pandasaurus, designed by Maxime Ramberg and Theo Riviere. Oh, Theo Riviere. We've heard that a lot. Yeah, he's that that designer that keeps popping up that I have realized I really like a lot of his stuff. So I'm very, I haven't played The Loop, so I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on it since I tend to like Theo's designs. Yeah. 
So I liked it. <laughs> this is a cooperative game. I like cooperative games, so I'm prone to like it more. But this is, it's like a time travel themed game where you're teaming up against the evil Dr. Foe through time. But the way it works, it doesn't really feel very thematic, like time travel-y. There's a board with, I think, seven eras. And those are like the different spaces that you can move around. And there's this little cube tower that you drop things into. And that's what Dr. Foe does. It, and it like randomizes, randomly drops cubes out into three of the seven eras. So each turn, at the beginning of each player's turn, Dr. Foe goes, you draw a card and it tells you like which era to point the cube tower at. And then you drop cubes in there. And so like if too many cubes go into one era, then that's bad. There's a vortex. And if there's too many of those, you lose. And then there's like... Like clones that come out and like those make more cubes go into the tower and stuff but like the cubes randomly go out into one of the three eras so like it doesn't necessarily all go into the middle that he's pointing at and so you can be like oh gosh i hope it doesn't go there and then like all of the cubes go on to the left era or something and then that one explodes into a vortex <laughs> so like i, I like that mechanism because it's not like definite it's you can kind of try to avoid it but like you don't know until after the cubes drop out of the tower. Oh, and then there's like three rounds a timer. So like they're going to be going through all seven eras. There's like the card deck of Dr. Foe. It goes through all seven eras. And then the next round, it goes through all the, all the seven eras again. But on your turn, you're going to be moving around the board and you have these cards that do different actions. So like most of it is like these cards that you have in your hand and each person has an individual deck of cards and they can gather more. They're called artifacts. They can do different things like get energy cubes. You can um, remove the, the bad cubes, which are red cubes. I forget what they're called from a space. And you can move the clones. And if the, you want to try to move the clones, they're like different colored clones. You want to move them into the matching color because like that's the paradox era like they come from that era or something so you're trying to like move them into that era so that's i guess the theme but like when you're playing it doesn't really feel <laughs> for for me it doesn't feel thematic but i mean to be fair we've talked about this a little in the past but like <laughs> mm -hmm. getting that time travel feeling into a board game yeah. is incredibly difficult right <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i like the idea of time travel theme but like it, usually it doesn't feel very thematic for me but like the, the interesting part is the card play you use a card Card, and then like that's it but each card has a little symbol in the top left and then on your turn you can use spend energy to refresh all cards of one symbol and that's like doing a time loop but then the next time you do a time loop you have to spend two energy and then three energy so like there's only a limited number of energy cubes on the board you usually can't do that many loops so if you have multiple cards of the same symbol that you use then that's good to do because like you refresh all cards of one symbol but if you all your cards have a different symbol then that's not as good you can also get new cards as you land on spaces at the end of your turn. And so you're like trying to get cards that match the symbols in your deck already. So like you're getting good cards that can combo well together. So there's like a deck building part and then just like moving around, like cleaning cubes off the board, kind of pandemic style. And then there's different scenarios. So like there's the basic scenario, which we played a while ago and we won that one. And then we played a different scenario, which has like extra rules to it with super mega clones. And <laughs> that, that one, there's different difficulty levels too and we played on the medium difficulty which was probably a mistake and then we lost <laughs> so um but it, it was fun so yeah like i enjoy this game it's tense there's like always things to do and things you're trying to clean up oh and you yeah, like to win sorry i told you like you can lose a lot of ways but <laughs> to win you're trying to get these mission missions complete there's two missions based up at any time and they're in the same places where the vortexes can appear so if a vortex appears that like kills the mission you want to complete four missions i think the missions are things like you destroy one clone of each color or like clear off cubes from each color, each era. So there's different missions. And so you're trying to do that. But also usually the missions kind of correspond to things that you're just trying to do anyway to not die. <laughs> if you like like Pandemic or other cooperative games that are similar to that, I think this is similar with like more complex 
action because with the cards and like the deck building. So that's the loop. I'm definitely interested in checking it out. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting though because this is one of those games that I've mentioned this on the show before. For no reason, my brain looks at it and kind of thinks like, meh, maybe not. Like for no re- <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like there isn't yeah. nobody has said any bad things about the game or whatever else, but my brain just isn't drawn to it, I should say. It's not like I'm repelled by it, but like I'm not drawn to it. So I feel like I'm going to need somebody to like bring this game to my house and set it up and just yeah. like be like, Crystal, we're playing this. And I chances are I'm probably really going to enjoy it. I don't know why. I'm just not drawn to it. So I, uh, I'm i going to have to check it out at some point. That happens to me with a lot of games. I think with this one too, like I was like, huh, maybe <laughs> I wasn't like, I need to play this now. Right. So, yeah. but I mean, there's a lot of games like that and then I enjoy it anyway. Yeah. And sometimes I, sometimes so I many really games. enjoy a game that I was thinking <laughs> yeah. like that about. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, why didn't I play this sooner? <laughs> yeah. And then I wanted to talk about a couple of Exit games, which you're also going to talk about one of them. Yeah. So Exit the Game is a series of escape room type board games that are one-time use, usually involve cutting, folding, things like that. So it's definitely one-time use. Published by Cosmos and designed by Inca and Marcus Brand. And there's been a lot of them. And we've played so many now. Most of them. (laughs) I've played almost all of them, I think. But I played recently Exit Lord of the Rings and Exit Professor's Last Riddle. So Exit the Game, The Lord of the Rings, Shadows Over Middle Earth is what it's called. It was published in 2022. And this is Lord of the Rings theme. So I I got this because I love Lord of the Rings. It's an easier game. So it's a linear game. There's, you're going through a book order by order and it kind of like walks you through how to solve escape room games kind of. But it has a cool story. If you know Lord of the Rings, like you're kind of a side character going along with the story and helping the fellowship before or after they reach those places. (laughs) So it's like, you did this before, like you're going to Moria and then you try to help wake up the Balrog or something before they get there (laughs) to like make sure the Balrog Balrog like attacks the goblins and lets the fellowship go through or something (laughs) like stuff that's related to the story Lord of the Rings but you're not in the main one which is kind of cool so I liked that because I like Lord of the Rings a lot and then do you want to introduce Exit the other one? (laughs) Yes so Exit the Professor's Last Riddle is story-wise it is kind of a continuation from previous Exit titles Mm -hmm. you are the student of this professor and this pairing has been mentioned in older Exit exit titles but now and these are these are not real characters in in any real world uh, outside (laughs) of exit so i want to preface that because i'm not spoiling anything but oh no the professor has died now (laughs) like he is gone and his last riddle he has left to you to solve and that is finding his will i have to say early in the pandemic like a couple years ago I was streaming one escape room game every week for mm-hmm. a, like a long time, like mm-hmm. I, not a, not an entire year, but like a good number of months. And I think I kind of like mildly burned myself out on escape room <laughs> games just because I was playing so many so frequently. Mm-hmm. And I didn't stop playing escape room games at that point, but I definitely slowed down significantly. This one... I have to say, it has kind of reinvigorated me. Like, <laughs> yay! Yeah, like I mean, I've I still love escape room games. I've, that has never changed, but I continue to be absolutely blown away by how creative the puzzles are within the exit games. We've talked mm-hmm. about a lot of different escape room systems on the show before, and I've said, with one exception, and that's the Escape Room in a Box series, which is a very very small series 
series. There's only a couple of boxes there. The exit series of the larger series is my favorite by far. And mm -hmm. this box is one of those reasons. It is, I like, obviously we don't want to mention any spoilers, but I would say if you are an escape room fan, especially the board game escape rooms, and maybe you're like me, you played a lot of them, you haven't, you know, you kind of haven't played one in a little while, this is one you should definitely pick up. A couple of the puzzles toward the end were hard, and I definitely needed a couple of hints to help mm -hmm. me. But they weren't like so hard that I was like fully stuck. Like I knew part of what I was doing. I just needed a little bit of assistance with them. Everything that I put together and was doing, I was playing this one by myself and I was just smiling and just <laughs> like really enjoying myself. Ambie, did you all yeah. have a similar experience with this one? Yeah, it was fun. I played it with Toby. I play like all the exit games with Toby. So, <laughs> but yeah, it was more difficult. It was a three out of five star difficulty. The Lord of the Rings one was two out of five star, but I think it was, yeah, significantly more difficult than the Lord of the Rings one, but it was still like made sense and it was still like linear story wise, but yeah, it had some cool puzzles and this isn't a spoiler because like it has it in the component list. There's a balloon and there's stickers. <laughs> yeah, there are. Yeah, there's a balloon and stickers in the- like, I love in stickers. The... <laughs> I know. I was- curious when I first saw those how yeah. they would be implemented uh, and I will and say it, it, was, it was pretty neat I like that one both of them were used very cleverly uh -huh. and I was impressed with both definitely yeah. one thing though is the setup actually takes you a little longer than an usual exit game because it requires you to cut out these postcards oh <laughs> so yeah like, it, during the setup you have to cut out there's like a sheet of postcards they're not like postcard material they're just thicker paper kind of they're still regular I don't know it's not it doesn't feel like a postcard but like you, you have to cut them out because they're just like one long line and so you cut them out into six postcards so that's part of setup <laughs> usually it's just like you lay out all the stuff and that's it <laughs> but yeah you have to actually cut during setup yeah i didn't actually figure out my final score i also like got distracted a couple times in the midst mm -hmm. of playing so like but all yeah, told with a couple of distractions i think it took me like an hour and 20 minutes ish to mm -hmm. finish by myself then it says it's a one to two hour game so i'd say that's fairly standard probably yeah it took us an hour okay almost exactly i think yeah, but so well, both of us got review copies of Exit, the Professor's Last Riddle. Yes. Lord of the Rings one I bought. <laughs> so this is a review copy, so. I really think this is one of the better Exit games. Although I do want to admit out loud, both to myself and to the listeners, that like, it's hard for me to compare escape oh, room yes. games to one another because of the time that it's <laughs> yeah, taken place. Right? It's like, hard, yeah. it's kind of the same thing that we've talked about in the past with legacy games, right? Mm -hmm. Like, when I played Pandemic Legacy Season 1, it was, at that time, what I thought one, to be like... one of the best gaming experiences mm -hmm. I had ever had in my entire life. Now, it has been so many years, it's not like the experience got any worse or less, but it has faded with time and memory mm -hmm. and other things. And so, it's hard to compare this exit against exits I played you know so many years ago where I've forgotten some of those aha moments and the mm -hmm. brilliant puzzles and things like that because my brain can't retain all of that stuff <laughs> yeah I wonder if we could play some of those early ones again and like, honestly I yeah. bet we could like I'm sure you're like things would probably click faster mm -hmm. or more easily yeah. but like I don't think I would immediately know everything I think yeah. I would be I think I would recognize stuff but I don't know if I would know the solutions like right off the bat yeah same here we're 
regardless of what has happened in the past, this one in this moment was so much fun and mm-hmm. just a gosh darn delight. So yeah, if you're a fan of the exit games, The Professor's Last Riddle definitely should be on your mm-hmm. list of things to check out. Yep. Ambie, I just wanted to say, may the fourth be with you. <laughs> you too. What do you say to respond to that? I don't know. I've heard people say, and also with you. But I know, that's like a church that's like, thing. That's not yeah, a Star Wars thing, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like I always want to say, and also with you. But yeah, that's like not, not a like Star a, that's Wars like thing. A, that's a Jesus thing. That's not a Star, <laughs> Star Wars thing. But on the day this episode releases, it is May 4th. And that is Yay. kind of now canonically a Star Wars holiday. On the podcast, I don't think we've really talked a lot of Star Wars. We've mentioned mm-hmm. games we've played briefly in the past. But Star Wars is a topic we haven't really dove into. So I'm going to say up front, listeners, if you are interested in hearing or learning what Ambie and I's favorite Star Wars movies are, you should let us know. And maybe we'll post that in the Discord or we'll do something. We'll do some bonus content. I don't know. But if you want to know our favorite Star Wars movies, my number one might shock you. Uh, I don't actually like, know what my number one is. So um, you'll, you'll have to let me one, know and then I'll think about it. My number one is so easy for me and it is probably not most people's number one. So mm. that's that's all I'll say. But since it is May 4th, on the day this episode comes out, we figured we'd talk Star Wars games. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit, I went to Board Game Geek and I found the category Movie Star Wars and I clicked on it yeah. to see how many linked items there were. <laughs> and my eyes got very wide before I kind of thought about what was actually happening because the number of items on Board Board Game Geek, categorized as Star Wars related, are 653. (laughs) (laughs) So many. (laughs) Yeah, so just for context, for those of you who are not like hardcore Board Game Geek users, we did figure out that the way Board Game Geek works and the way a lot of the Star Wars games work, certain things are categorized as separate items, but they're all pieces of the same game. For instance, Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures game, when they release a new ship, or a new mm-hmm. like thing, it's usually released as a separate item. Yep. And I'm looking at Star Wars Exclude Miniatures to get right now and looking at under the expansions tab, there's 61 expansions okay. linked to it. So yes, that's so, 61 of those. <laughs> a lot of the 653 are probably expansions to other games, but yeah. not a small amount of them are actual Star Wars themed games. Mm-hmm. A good number of which are Star Wars versions of existing games. (laughs) Like Star Wars Battleship and Star Wars Stratego and like everything. Star Wars Risk, which I think I used to own. Oh, really? Yes. I never played it though. Yeah, I I was looking through and seeing which ones were in my collection like as played or owned or something and that was previously owned. I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. I think I got it as a gift and then like never played it and gave it away or something. Okay. (laughs) Let's see. I'm trying to think of how many Star Wars games I own. I think I only own a couple. I own Star Wars Rebellion, but I've never played it. I want to. I desperately want to learn Star Wars Rebellion, but certain oh, people... Oh, yeah, we've talked about this many times. <clears throat> Rodney Smith refused to release how to play videos. And that apparently is the one thing stopping me from playing Star Wars Rebellion. Here's the thing. I even own the expansion for it. I own the game 
game and the expansion because when a board game cafe near me closed a number of years ago, I had a membership with them. And so they let members basically take their existing membership fee that they wouldn't get to use since the place was closing. We got to take games from the Mm -hmm. library and then we got to order games through them as well. So I took Star Wars Rebellion from their library and had them order the expansion for me basically for free. So I didn't pay for either one of them. I did, but I didn't, you know, you know, you know. So anyways, I want to learn Rebellion and Rodney Smith refuses to teach me. So if anyone else out there wants to teach me Rebellion, let me know because I really do want to play it and I've owned it now for years. <laughs> I also own Lupin Chewy, which is the re-themed mm. version of Lupin Louie. I've played that one. Yeah, that's very fun. I love Lupin Chewy. I wish it had four times though, like Lupin Louie does instead of three, but what can you do? Oh, I think I've played the modified version where they have uh, oh, where three and six. three, so six. Nice. Yeah, I I could do that. I should do that at some point. But it's one of those things like I really don't pull it off the shelf that often. So I was looking at which Star Wars games I've played. And other than Lupin Chewy, I've only played Star Wars Unlock and Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures. The Miniatures one, I played it like once a long time ago and I liked it, but I didn't want to get into it because it's one of those where it's like that's a lifestyle game where you're getting a bunch of stuff for it. But yeah, Star Wars Unlock, it was an escape room game. So I love those. And it, it had like different stories in Star Wars in it. So yeah, have, it did wasn't, you play that one? Yes, I did. Yeah, okay. And really, really enjoyed it. I think for the Unlock series of games, similar to your Lord of the Rings exit mm-hmm. game, it was on the easier side of the series because I think yeah. they were oh, trying yeah, to make it now. more <laughs> approachable to mm-hmm. a non-hardcore escape room enthusiast audience, mm-hmm. which makes sense, right? I didn't care that it was a little easier. It had a dedicated app for the unlock Star Wars. It was one of the coolest unlock boxes that I've ever played, honestly. I Even though it was a little easier, I really enjoyed that one quite a bit. Yeah, that one was fun. I was looking at the notes that I had written. <laughs> yeah, we, we had fun with that one. And then I actually mentioned this in a, a recent episode when I was talking about Descent. I have also played Star Wars Imperial Assault, which came out. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, Imperial Assault came out in 2014. Oh, that wow. was almost a decade ago. How what? is that possible? <laughs> I still think of that as new. What? Yeah, um, well, Imperial Assault came out almost a decade ago. And yeah, that basically re-implemented the Descent 2nd Edition system and themed it as Star Wars and did a brilliant job of it. I played through the entire base game campaign of Imperial Assault with some friends and really enjoyed the experience. Truthfully, it's one of those many, 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 many campaign games that like Mm -hmm. if I owned the base game and like the expansion stuff, I would love to go back and play some of the expansions for that one because there were more stories to be told Mm -hmm. and more things to do, but I don't own that one. So I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to come back to it, especially because campaign games are harder to get to. But now that I have a dedicated gaming partner, it is a little easier to get (laughs) campaign games played. So that's definitely, you know, it's a possibility. We'll see. So I think it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Star Wars is popular, right? There wouldn't be as many movies or TV shows or (laughs) books or games or or, like toys. Yes, like there's like Star Wars is obviously very, very popular. And Disney, since they took over the Star Wars license, has done a lot with it. Whether you think that Disney is good or bad, I 
you know, I get it. They have a little bit too much power sometimes, but <laughs> they also do some really cool stuff with the things they own. So yeah. is there such a thing as too much? At least when it comes to the gaming aspect of this. Like, I don't want to, we're, we're not experts in the theme park, movie, TV space, right? Mm -hmm. But as far as games are concerned, it sure seems like they're still coming out with Star Wars games and I've, I haven't seen anybody online going, I don't want to see any more Star Wars <laughs> games. Like, I haven't seen that. You see that sometimes about certain things. Like, yeah. if I see one more trading in the Mediterranean game, I'm going to yeah. scream. But I don't see that about Star Wars. People, it's like, oh, another Star Wars game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's like a lot of people like Star Wars. It's Most people like, seem to like Star Wars, I guess. <laughs> Why do you think it is so... I mean, obviously, there are people who do not like Star Wars or do mm -hmm. not have an opinion about it. But why do you think Star Wars is so, I'll say universally, even though you, that's kind of a little bit too broad, like universally loved? It really is, I would say, as far as IPs go, probably one of the most pervasive, at least in Western culture. Obviously, I'm speaking yeah. from a perspective of someone who lives in America, in North America, mm -hmm. like there's, you know, in other parts of the world, probably different. But I do know that Star Wars movies release overseas and also make a lot of money there too. So this could be more pervasive than I know. I'm just, I want to say that I'm speaking from a perspective mm -hmm. of someone here. Yeah. So it's cross-generational because like the movies, when was the first one released? I don't know. My parents saw it. And then like, in the 70s, <laughs> and then the right? later yeah. movies, like, or when I went to theater, I don't know if I saw them in theaters, but, <laughs> and then there's like the new movies now. So it's like every generation has their own Star Wars movies that they, that came out like when they were kids and are watching or like when they were, when they remember going to movies and stuff. And so that is part of it. I'm trying to think of like other things that are that much. Like Star Wars is one of like the older things that does that. Whereas like there are things that came out when we were kids that are getting remakes and stuff. Like well, there's like Pokemon and like Mario, those things that are more video gamey. Yeah. So that's also has a wide appeal, I think. But maybe that's more nerdy because it's video games rather than a movie that started it. So yeah, <laughs> I'm not maybe. Sure. And they also <laughs> kind of since they're cartoony, they maybe seem yeah. a little more kid centric, even though yeah. like. Obviously, adults very much play Mario games, too, mm -hmm. me included in that. <laughs> like, it's not just yeah. for kids, but it could be perceived as a kid yeah. thing by some people. So Star Wars isn't as looked down upon because it's not cartoony. And then, yeah, so I, I don't know. I like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it, it takes a lot of the classic storytelling, fantasy, mm -hmm. like fairy tale tropes, and mm -hmm. it utilizes those tropes and incorporates them in sometimes predictable and sometimes unpredictable ways you know there's a, you know a guy going after the girl and the rescuing the girl and there's the the two best buddy guys and there's <laughs> the, the the ragtag crew of you know ne'er-do-wells who are fighting against the ultimate power and the bad guys and all this stuff like there's a lot of different pieces of star wars that i think you see in popular culture in a lot of places and so I wonder if it's just kind of like the magic soup of it all. Like mm -hmm. it just it strikes a lot of different chords. So then do you think there are so many Star Wars games just because Star Wars is so popular? Or do you think that there are so many Star Wars games because the world of Star Wars makes for good games? Like, does that make sense? Like, I, it could be mm -hmm. both. 
It could be both. Yeah. Like, so the world of Star Wars is huge because like there are all the books and all the like, extended universe stuff. So there's like all this content that they can use to make it. So maybe that's easier to get the theme as long as they get a license and stuff like get a game around that theme and stuff and then they don't have to like come up with all the characters and stuff if they're making a campaign style game and stuff like it's probably really hard to come up with that from scratch versus using existing lore and stuff that's true if you're starting with yeah a basis of like existing planets and Mm -hmm. different types of characters even if you're not using the specific named characters that are familiar you at least know that ewoks exist and droids exist and all these Mm -hmm. other things and you can just draw from that yeah, and so it lends itself to games with, like, storytelling and... Well, and then there's also, like, there's a lot of stuff in Star Wars. There's, like, fighting and stuff, so it lends itself to, like, miniatures games and, and combat games. And then there's also all the games where it's, like, Monopoly Star Wars or... <laughs> Yeah, those because, ones because Star Wars is popular. Yes, those ones I think it's just Star Wars is popular. <laughs> They're going to slap a Star Wars theme on an existing IP. But where that one gets interesting at least to some degree is there was a game that came out back in the year 2000 that has kind of been over the years like mentioned by a number of hobby gamers as like one of their grail games and that's Star Wars The Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about that one is it's based in the world of episode one, The Phantom Menace, mm-hmm. which I would say universally is not one of the best liked Star Wars <laughs> movies. Mm-hmm. Although, to be fair, when that movie came out, I very much remember how excited everyone was about mm-hmm. it. Like, the hatred of Jar Jar Binks did not really, like, I mean, people were making fun of Jar Jar Binks as a character, like, immediately, <laughs> but it did not, it wasn't as big of a deal back then. It grew over yeah, time, th- I yeah, think. Yeah, grew, yeah. People loved that movie when it came out like over time I think people made fun of it more and more and more that's my opinion because I remember people being very excited when it came out okay side note done (laughs) so the Queen's Gambit is a really cool board game that everybody talks about being like this amazing Mm -hmm. thing Rob Davio was one of the designers on it so then it got re-implemented like Queen's Gambit was re-implemented in 2015 as Risk Star Wars edition yeah that's the one I had but I never played it (laughs) Like, this is not just Star Wars slapped onto normal risk. Mm-hmm. It is an entirely different game. I've never played it, but it's got a 7.0 rating on BGG. Mm-hmm. I've heard like from people that it doesn't quite capture what Queen's Gambit did, but that it does, you know, recreate a lot of the p- pieces mm-hmm. of it pretty well. I would actually really love to play Star Wars Risk at some point just to kind of check it out. I would actually love to play Queen's Gambit at some point. I know it's in the classic cardboard section of some of the con. I go oh, to really? I should yeah I'm pretty yeah. sure I've seen it because it's like a super rare game I think yeah like, it's hard yeah. oh yeah to try and get a copy of it like personally mm-hmm. is nearly impossible but I think I think the Dice Tower West Library has a copy of oh. it it's one of those things that I just never think of when I'm at the con yeah. right like <laughs> let's go play Star Wars Queen's Gambit so <laughs> but yeah like I'm just I just wanted to say like they're not technically just slapping the theme onto everything like there is some thought being mm-hmm. put into some of these games that look like they're just theme slapped uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe with some of them yeah. yeah but I mean that was a re-implementation of Queen's Gambit which was a different game so well right but the thing is if you're a normal consumer yeah. walking down the game aisle you don't know that right like yeah, if 
or even if as a hobby gamer, if you don't know about Queen's Gambit, because I'm sure people who've come into the hobby in the past even 10, 15 years might not know Queen's Gambit existed. If they mm -hmm. walk down the aisle and they see Star Wars Risk, my assumption would be they would think this is Star Wars slapped onto normal Risk and they yeah. would pass it by. Yeah, so I, I think that was probably not a great idea to do that. Right? Yeah, like, and then if they did buy it thinking it was Risk, then they would get so confused, like, trying to play it, probably. Yeah, it's interesting because non-hobby gamers who enjoy Risk may have purchased it and went, oh, this is not Risk. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing, for the record. Again, yeah, I don't know yeah, how I, approachable I the rules it, so. are or anything like that. And then hobby gamers would probably not look twice at it. So mm -hmm. I'm actually, I really, this is one of those things that I'll never know, but like, I wonder how popular it has been over the years. Like, are they still selling it? How well has it done for Hasbro? Like, I'd be curious to know. I guess I could scroll down on BGG yeah, and look how much it costs. I mean, it's still a $50 game on Amazon. On the geek market, though, it looks like you can get a copy for $15. I might actually... <laughs> I remember like, I got it as a gift from like a cousin or something who doesn't play games. So I I don't know if they knew what it was. Probably not. Is <laughs> and the then, answer. Like I knew. Like yeah. I, I hadn't heard about Queen's Gambit back then and knew like it was that. I just I'm not a big fan of area control type games, so <laughs> it wasn't high on my to playlist anyway. Yeah. To wrap all of this up, I would say, are there too many Star Wars games? Doesn't <laughs> seem like it, even though there's a lot. Star Wars games are pretty cool. We haven't played a ton of them, but yeah. we would we'll probably play more in the future. And honestly, I would love to hear from our listeners what your favorite Star Wars games are. Because like I said, Ambie and I haven't played a ton of them and I really do enjoy the world of Star Wars. So basically you all should just come into the Discord, the Blitz Discord, link is in the show notes and A, teach me rebellion and B, <laughs> tell me what other Star Wars games I should be looking into because I like Star Wars. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for more content and links. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Coming to crowdfunding soon, Clans of Midgard, a draft and write game where you will conquer, fight, and sail your way to victory. And don't forget, you can get 10% off any order at grayfoxgames.com, including promos, exclusives, and upgrades not available anywhere else by using the code BGBLITZ2023 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like us a lot and want to support us monetarily and get some cool perks, check out our Kofi at ko-fi.com slash boardgamelists today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Until next time, who left these games out? Who, 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 who? Bye, everyone. Bye. Published by Cosmos and designed by Marka and Inkus Brand. Right. You I said Marka and Incus. Mar <laughs> Good, Marcus. Dang it. That's why I need to look at the thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's my favorite uh, transposition ever. I think. All right. See, I always know like the beginning of people's names and then. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, I, I want to get campaigns game can canes campaigns games. Wait, campaign <laughs> games. <laughs> I'm just gonna cut all that out. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs>